tonight I have more news for you. Yeah, I know. My friend, Mike McCollum, who has been my friend for more than 30 years, and uh, we've been doing church together since we first saw We met in church and haven't left church and been doing church, church, church. And uh, years ago, he began the process of, uh, well, he, he, had an, he had an early credential with the Assemblies of God and then let that lapse, and he was within the, the Assemblies of God in Oregon. But now he has been re-credentialed. He's come back home, and they, we've killed prodigal, no, we haven't killed prodigal calves, What's wrong with me, Rick? Uh, sorry, mixing of the metaphors. But <clears throat> he's not a prodigal, but he got, he, got, he got reestablished with his certification level. So the assembly says different levels. So he, he went ahead and they got that kicked back in, certified minister of the gospel, so he's certifiable. But he is also progressing in the, 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 the system to, to get his license to preach, which means there's just a few, uh, yeah, which means you can get license, you have to have a license to do this kind of thing. And, uh, and so uh, that means he's got to finish some coursework and do a couple of things. And so for that reason, and also just because uh, he's my, my covenant best friend of more than 30 years, absolute, absolute closer, sticketh closer than a brother, stories that I could tell, humor and pain, and joy, and challenge, and the, everything. Every single thing that you can walk through with friends, we've, we've done it. But, so he's, and, he's, and he's always, always, always a total man of God. Everybody loves him. Everybody loves him more than me, which is why I try to keep him away from people, because it makes me insecure. It's not even kidding. It's just all, I just want to, if you can just, as long as you say it, it's okay, right? Uh, but he's just an incredible man of God. But, so for, for, both, for both of those reasons, because of in the, the process uh, necessitates uh, practical ministry expression, and because he's just a great man of God, Mike is speaking tonight. So would you welcome my friend, our, our, uh, now our associate pastor for the director of, of gatherings, uh, Mike McCollum. This is Mike, use this mic. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Dav, for, I mean, it is, it, it is an honor to speak uh, to you, and anytime you're speaking at a pulpit that Dav uh, normally is at, it is a, a privilege and an honor. Uh, I would much rather listen to him speak than me speak myself, but as he just said, it's kind of a requirement. So, now, don't, don't set your hopes down here just because it's an assignment. Just because it's a requirement uh, doesn't mean that what I have to say is not something that I am really hoping and believing will, if we can, if we can grasp it better, I'm not going to share anything brand new because that that's up to him to, to do, uh, but if we can grasp it better, our lives and our, the people around us, their lives will be better too. So, uh, the first part of this I have done many times, especially, you know, I, some of you know anyway, uh, that my wife and I, by the way, my wife Lisa is not here tonight. Uh, she's heading uh, to see her mom and sister in Arizona, which is great. I, I bless her for that. Um, but my wife and I started a nonprofit organization, a ministry in Rwanda, about 20 years ago, actually. It's been more than 20 years ago, 21 years ago now. And uh, so I've had the opportunity to, you know, minister to and with some of the poorest kids or people on the planet. 
And I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, I just, I love them. And so, you know, when you, when you have a friend like Dav, he can sing, he can, he can dance. Not that you want to see it. It is, he can dance actually. No, you should be able to. I don't know. I haven't seen it lately. I bet he could. He can preach. He can lift heavy things, more heavier things than anybody else I know. He can pretty much do everything. And so when you have a friend like that, you're kind of like, well, God, how could you use me? What can I do? Right? That's true. And all I can say is, not that I do it better than him, but all I can say is, I do love people. And so I, I thank God that he chooses even people with very little talent to do things for him uh, just because he's so good. So anyway, I, 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 the reason I say that is, uh, you know, what I want to talk about is not um, something that I've made up or created, but it is important. So let me just start by asking. So this is a $100 bill. Used to be, you know, a whole lot more impressive than it, than it is now, <laughs> right? But it's as big, this is the biggest bill we got in the United States, so that's what I'm using. If I were to give this away, who would want it? Okay, Adam, why would you want this bill? You could tithe with it, okay. That's, so, that's nice. Anybody else? It is valuable. It has value, right? That's why you want it, Yes. right? So, but let me ask, if I were to take this $100 bill, though, and I were to crumple it up in my hand, now who wants it? <laughs> Didn't you just see I just crumpled it up? You still want it? Why? It still has value? The same value. But okay, so what if I throw it on the ground? I step on it. Now who wants it? It's still the same? I should have said right, right away, I'm not giving this $100 bill away, by the way. I did ask if I were going to give it away. Because you're right. All I have to do is, you know, kind of straighten it out, put it back in my pocket. And it, not only is it still valuable, but it still has the exact same value. Regardless of what's happened to it. So, if, I, I guess one of the questions I would ask is, why does it have that value? I'll tell you why, because right here on the bill itself, which I, if I had my glasses, I would read it for you, but it says something like that this, that this bill is current, ten, or it's a, you know, you can, the U.S. government basically says this bill is worth $100. That's why it's worth $100. Because I, I have a $10 bill in my wallet. It looks very similar, made by the same government, but it says that it's only worth $10. So the U.S. government, the one who created this bill, they said, they, they established its value. They made it, they get to determine 
what its value is. So, in the very same way, obviously you know where I'm going, right? In the very same way, your Heavenly Father, He created you. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. It goes on. God created man in His own image. It says there that God is the one who created us. He's the one who made you who you are. So God made you, and He alone gets to determine your value. Come on. Good. It doesn't matter what has happened to you. It matters what God says about you. In Psalm 139, verse 13 through 18, it talks about, it says, You wove me in my mother's womb. It also says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your wonderful, or wonderful are your works. How precious are your thoughts towards me. How vast is the sum of them. They would outnumber the sand. Those are the, that's how God thinks about you and thinks about me. I love that, you know, he also says that he doesn't love you because you are beautiful doesn't love you because you're crisp and clean. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, that's when he died for you. You see, he died for you when you were all crumpled up. At that point, he didn't die for you and establish your value when you were brand new printed right off, this, right off the printer. He said, no, I see your worst point in your entire life. That's when I died for you. Now, before I get too far, you might go, well, I'm not a $100 bill, right? I'm maybe more like a car or something. <laughs> some, things, some things do lose their value, though, right? Some things, when they're brand new, they're worth more than when they're old. That's true. I get that. So there's, there's more than one way to determine something's value. We said there's creator determined like this $100 bill. The creator determined it. They're the ones who said it's worth $100. Just like you and me, our creator, he created us, and he established our value. But there's also what somebody's willing to pay for it, right? If you go to buy a house or sell a house, you... Hire what? An appraiser. You, you hire somebody to say, hey, tell me what this thing is worth. If you're going to sell your 68 Chevelle, which I used to have, I, that thing was sweet, which I don't have anymore. I wish I did. Sold it for $1,000. That was bad. <laughs> anyway, things are worth what someone is willing to pay for them. If 
that's the truth, which it is the truth, I wonder, I don't really wonder, I already know the answer, you already know the answer, but we're just going through these questions. I just wonder, how much are we worth? How much are we worth? Well, again, a good place to look is in Scripture. John 3.16, everybody knows that one. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So that's an exchange that's taking place there, right? God gave something in exchange for you and I because of His love. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, But He was pierced for our transgressions. In other words, He took up our punishment. The punishment that we deserved... He took upon Him. See, He redeemed us. He purchased our freedom. That's what that Isaiah chapter 53 says. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through 19, <laughs> He says, For you know it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So how much are you worth? It's indescribable. Yeah. There's nothing, there is no, there is nothing to compare. There's no amount of silver or gold. It was with the precious blood of Jesus that you were purchased, that you were redeemed. So whichever method you use, whether it's the $100 bill and the creator says, this is how much it's worth, or you say, it's worth what somebody is willing to pay for it, your value comes from God. Yes. He created you and He redeemed you. He did both. He set the value and then He paid it yes. to redeem you and me. That's how much you're worth. The value that he set was the, was the life, the very blood of his own son. Now, if you have a child, that's an unimaginable value. There is no way, no humanly possible way that someone would choose to do that. Yet he did because... That's how much you are worth. Now, my hope for tonight could stop right there. We could just stop right there, and, and, I want, and I would hope that you would go away from here knowing that you are indescribably valuable. There is no comparison to how much you are worth in God's sight. And God is the one who made you. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter if you have been crumpled up. It doesn't matter if you've been thrown on the ground or thrown under a bus. It doesn't matter what the world says because they're not the ones who say you how much you're worth. What matters is what God says. So if, we, if, if I stopped right there, I would be happy if you walked out of this room knowing that a little better. But I think there's more. 
I mentioned that I have spent some time in Rwanda ministering to kids that were filthy, filthy dirty. They had been stepped on. They had been thrown under the bus. They had been crumpled up. They had been tossed aside by society. But God loves them so much. In fact, while I was there for the very first time on my very first trip, he, he showed me my own daughter who was in clean clothes and here in the U.S., safe, loved. And then in my mind, I, he also showed me these same kids, these kids on the street. And he said, this is my child. These are my kids. What are you going to do about these kids that are on the street? Because I love them just as much as I love you and I love them just as much as I love Kalia. And of course, you know, when God says something like that, you're just like, okay, I'll do whatever you want. That's, that's fine. I'm so thankful for Dav because he, he's just a really, really good leader. Um, excellent communicator. We put things on the wall. He is good. His love endures forever. One of the, the things that we, one of the ways that we want to accomplish our mission, the culture that he has set in this, as, for this house is a culture of love, honor, and hope. The reason I mention those kids is because if, if I didn't see them as image bearers, if I didn't see them as children of God, if I didn't see them as having the same value as my own daughter, if I, if I didn't see them as having the same value as myself, I could easily just walk by. But I couldn't. Because love, honor, and hope says differently. Love, honor, and hope and them being image bearers demands that I treat them with honor. Just because they're poor doesn't mean they shouldn't be honored. Just because they're poor now doesn't mean that I should have hope for their future. As a matter of fact, some of them are quite literally doctors, millionaires today. That's, 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 the, that's the truth. Not like Biden says something's the truth. I'm saying that, that is actually the truth. Sorry. I probably, hopefully this was recorded probably. Whoops. Oh, it's online. Oh, it's out there. Whoopsie doodle. Sorry about that. I, I apologize. So what, I, what I'm, I just felt like what I'm saying right now is kind of like what he says sometimes, and it's not good. Anyway, what, let me, let me bring, bring this back in. Because it's true. What is true is that if I'm an image bearer and I have that value, if Jesus paid the price, if, if God the Father paid the price of his own son to establish my value and then pay it. 
and you have that value, I should treat you with love, honor, and hope. The people that we come in contact with outside these doors, at the grocery store, or that come to us if you're a customer service, whatever person, or children in the school, (laughs) or wherever you find yourself. I want to encourage you, encourage us, to view those people with love, honor, and hope. To view those people as image bearers, as having the exact same value as what we just discussed, just discussed, because it's true. If we can get that in our minds, if we can see people in that light, how will we treat them differently? And if we treat them differently, how will they begin to live? There are so many other good stories that I've heard and read. And maybe one day, at least maybe in the men's group, because they probably need to hear it more, but there's a story of a a man on an island, Johnny Lingo, and he, I'll do a very short and shortened version. But Johnny Lingo is the best negotiator. He's in the Pacific Islands, and he is the best negotiator of anyone on the islands. If you want something and you want to get it for a good price, You go talk to Johnny Lingo, and he's going to negotiate the best price for it. Well, Johnny Lingo wants to find a wife, and he comes. He finds the woman that he wants to marry, and he's heading towards uh, the father of the bride. And in their culture, in this uh, in this island culture, uh, they do dowry. So, if you want to uh, marry someone, you have to offer a certain number of cows. Typically, it's like two to three cows. If for an exceptionally amazing woman, you might do four or even five cows. That's like exceptional. That would be, you know, I don't, I'm not going to start naming names because then I'd have to stay and name everybody, right? So I'm going to avoid that. <clears throat> I could just say Lisa, yes, right, I could. Exactly. So here's Johnny Lingo, and he, he's, he's, he has chosen the bride that he wants to marry, the person that he wants to marry, and he's heading to the father of the bride, and this gal, her name is Sarita, and she is, to be kind, plain. She walks hunched over, doesn't wear nice clothes. She is plain. So Sarita's father, all of his friends are encouraging him, listen, man, you need to just tell him you want three cows, and when you know that's not going to happen, really push for two cows, They're like, hold out for one cow. But if, 
but this is Johnny Lingo, so he might just say, look, I'm going to take her off your hands. Go for that. So Johnny Lingo comes in, though, and he doesn't say a word. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't even wait for the father to offer a price. He says, I'm paying eight cows for Sarita. And they're all just like, you know, okay. The story is that a visitor to the islands comes and he hears, everybody's talking about how amazing this guy Johnny Lingo is and what a great negotiator is. But every time he's talked about, people snicker and laugh and he finds out about him paying eight cows for his wife. And she was not worth even one cow, to be honest. That's what they were, that's how they felt. So this visitor, he's like, man, I got to go talk to this Johnny Lingo anyway. So he goes to the, the island where Johnny Lingo lives. And there, people talk about him, but they don't snicker or laugh afterwards. And when he finally meets Johnny Lingo, he, the guy, you know, they're talking, and he's, he finally comes out and says, listen, you know, the people, uh, they, you know, they talk about you on the other island, and he's like, yeah, what do they say? And he's like, well, that you're this great negotiator and blah, 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 an amazing guy. And he's like, yeah, but, well, <laughs> they think you paid too much for your wife. And just then, this woman comes in, uh, sets some drinks on their table, and turns, smiles and at, the, at Johnny Lingo and walks out. And, and the guy, the visitor, watches until she leaves, and he's, like, you know, amazed. And he's thinking, how could this poor guy's wife must just be uh, completely, uh, what's the, jealous having a servant that looks and acts like that around your husband all the time. That's what he's thinking. And, of course, you know where I'm going, right? This is, this is his wife. Johnny Lingo says, so do you, he, you know, he says, oh, that was my wife right there. Do you think I paid too much? She's like, No. And so then the, the visitor's like, oh, so you just paid eight cows so you could be, like, bragging about it? And he's like, no. He said, I wanted to marry her. But what I also wanted was an eight-cow wife. When she knew, when she, when she found out the price that was paid for her, she began to live differently. She began to act differently. She lived up to the value that was placed on her. That's what I want for you and I. Yes. I want for you and I to live up to the value that has been placed upon us. And I want for you and I to treat others with the value that has been placed upon them. So if we could, I don't know if it's the right time, but if we could, I'd like to just wrap up in prayer. and um, Yeah, so let me pray. Holy Spirit, we love you so much. 
Father God, we thank you for the price that you were willing to pay for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to sacrifice your life for us. God, we thank you that you loved us first and you love us most. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to have a better understanding of how much we're worth and to love other people to honor other people and to treat other people with the hope that you can transform their lives just like you did ours. God, we ask that you would have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, that's all I have. So if you, you want to wrap it up or, yeah. Yeah. Take a second. Yeah. Take a second. Let's just take a, everybody stand. Will you just stand for a second? Let's just take a second. And uh, why don't you just do this? Why don't you just take a private moment? Just kind of take a moment of prayer. Literally just do the whole bow your head thing, everybody across the house. And I, I appreciate Michael's great honor that he treats me with in this house with. And, and I probably should have said, hey, you just go ahead and follow what you'd want to do. But I know this is in his heart. I feel like there's two, two, two things just to let the Holy Spirit do some, just some work in our hearts and our minds. First of all, Scripture tells us that the that that is the Holy Spirit that cries out, "Abba, Father," in us. He He cries out. He witnesses to us in us with regard to our our value to God, our, that God has called us His own. It is the witness of the Holy Spirit. It's healthy and good to be per, to be taught and persuaded and informed. But that can wash away. That can become obfuscated. That can become cluttered. Unless there's a strong voice that you'll listen to. So first of all, I'm going to ask, have you been listening to the voice of the accuser, to the voice of the world, to negative inner dialogues? Some of you have been haunted even by words spoken to you, about you, by people that are close to you, family, parents, even if you, your parents may have been long past and yet things that were said still clinging there. And your attitude about yourself and the way you govern or carry yourself. Some folks have been through some painful divorces and even though you're, you've moved on or remarried or whatever else, still stuff that was said hurled, lodged deep and affected your sense of worth and value. So first we just want to say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? Could I invite you to hear me without, this is not a condemning phrase, could I invite you to repent of and renounce those curses 
spoken to you, that you have heard with your ears and your soul. Lord, we repent of believing these things. We renounce their place and authority in our life. Holy Spirit, come in the name of Jesus now and witness to our inner person. God has poured out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Help us to to believe deeply by the witness of your spirit that we are seen, that we are known and immeasurably valuable. And now, Lord, help us to repent even of carrying that residue over toward others. Forgive us, Lord, for using wrong measures how we have viewed others. Help us, Lord, to, out of reverence for you, that they are to, to see people as image bearers and, and those for whom Christ has died and redeemed. Grant us, Lord, such a deep, as Paul said, let us be compelled, driven along by the love of Christ for others. The love of Christ compel us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this good word. We thank you that it's so center and so strategic, so so recalibrating. Spirit of a living God, we receive your witness to us about us, and we partner with your voice toward others. Friends, spouses, co-workers, neighbors, grant, Lord, us to follow the leading of your spirit to walk in love and honor and hope. This we pray together in Jesus' name. Somebody else say amen. Amen. Friends, we love you. Thanks for being here tonight. Thanks, thanks, Mike, for a good word tonight. It's 8-11. We're a couple of minutes early. I blame Mike uh, for not talking long enough. Uh, Your kids may be looking for you. The workshop may still be going, but we probably still have some refreshments. Take your time, and then the Lord bless you. We see you. Friday night is a prayer rally, and we'll have a time of worship and prayer together, 6.30 prayer time. God bless you.